Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. So if you were watching the podcast last week, you would have heard at the end me mentioning that next week, meaning today, we're going to be possibly talking to my friend Laura and if she isn't free, we're going to be doing a episode on rejection rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Now I spoke to Laura yesterday, I was out with her in Chester yesterday because she was having a birthday meal and we went to an escape room together which was really fun but she was telling me how she thinks that she's got some commitments coming up and she's going to need a little bit of time to think about when she's free meaning that this week and next week and possibly the possibly the week after it's going to be a solo so with today's episode on rejection sensitivity dysphoria I want to talk about what it is and how it has affected me and how I've come to the terms of acceptance. I must say when I say acceptance, I'm still struggling right now with acceptance, but we're getting along with it. So what is rejection sensitivity dysphoria? So for me, rejection sensitivity dysphoria is the perception or perceived perception that someone with ADHD and autism go through. And when I say this, I mean the emotions that we feel is a lot more stronger than a neurotypical. I've read online that some people feel like they feel like the world's crashing down, like the world's falling beneath their feet over something very, very simple. And online I've read that experts say that the reason for this is they think it's a different structure in the brain. Now with autism and dyspraxia there isn't a reason why we have this and that could be for the same reasoning a different structure in the brain. I'm not a scientist I don't know all this information but Google is a very good source. Now I remember growing up having rejection sensitivity dysphoria I was high masking and I was masking a lot when I was younger and the rejection I would feel, I thought that was normal. I thought everyone felt like they wanted to burst into tears and someone said like, oh, can you just um, open this door for me? Or, oh, you're in the way a little bit, Athena, can you just move? Looking back in hindsight, I can tell people are just trying to be nice, but even now I can just, I I just get teary-eyed thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in the way, everyone hates me. When in reality, they're just asking me to open a door because I was in the way, but it's no big deal. I think pre-diagnosis, my rejection sensitivity dysphoria was a lot, 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 better than it is now and it makes me wonder I'm glad I got diagnosed what through being diagnosed I started to unmask and there were good things about it because I learned about being drained I learned how to manage my time better I learned that my emotions were valid but on the flip side of it I became more aware of my emotions and I started to not like the way people talk to me or I was aware of maybe I don't like this or maybe I don't like that and when I was masking I would brush off a lot of stuff because I was thinking oh that doesn't matter I'm just dyspraxic I'll never understand that so it didn't affect me in the same way yes I did have rejection sensitivity dysphoria but I sort of was oblivious to a lot of stuff when I was younger I didn't understand a lot of stuff so a lot of stuff didn't get to me so in that way I'm wondering was it better when I was oblivious because I didn't have RSD as bad it's sort of weighing up the pros and the cons although I've learned to unmask I'm sort of 
on the flip side, learn, trying to teach myself that although I can unmask, it's not necessarily a good thing if, well, unmasking is a good thing, but it's not necessarily the best idea when I'm being, getting upset when people, when people are asking me to move out of the way over simple stuff like that, which is completely valid that my brain's different and I just need to learn with techniques like counselling and things like that, which I will get onto in a second. <laughs> so growing up with RSD, I noticed that when I would feel anxious or when I would feel nervous around someone because I thought I was being rejected, it wasn't selective. It was very random. So I could get it with friends. I could get it with family members. And I felt like at the start that it sort of not broke up friends, but I felt like, I not that I couldn't trust friends, but I felt like friends were betraying me when they weren't betraying me. I, when I went to university, when I was in the flat, especially with small talk, because I was in a flat of 10, because the um, halls that I went to, they had big groups of people staying together. And at the beginning, when we had lots of small talk, I didn't know how to deal with, I didn't know how to deal with small talk. I often thought, oh my goodness, they aren't talking to me. I like to, I'm quite shy, but at the same time, I like to have an in-depth conversation. And sometimes, people would get to know each other quicker than they got to know me so they'd have a more in-depth conversation but then with me it'd be more small talk because they don't know me as well and honestly I can tell you that my brain went absolutely crazy I was thinking they don't like me how can they arrange stuff without me even though it was valid because they didn't know me as well so why would they invite me if they didn't know me as well as they knew someone else it's logic thinking about it right now I remember the whole flat went out to Manchester and they accidentally left me behind because I was putting on my shoes and because there's so many of us in the flat someone made the decision to go because they thought maybe Athena's outside she's probably with us but it turned out that I wasn't with them and honestly I almost had a meltdown because I thought that they had rejected me and left me on purpose turned out they hadn't turned out I think they were embarrassed because I'd been left and they didn't want me to have a bad impression of them which looking back makes total sense and I remember going for a fluctuation of meeting people like being really close friends with them going through an RSC attack talking it through with my parents or my friends that I was really close to going back to being close realizing Actually, it's in my brain and then the whole cycle starting all over again and thankfully I've got a few friends I've got my boyfriend I've got my parents and they and a few more close friends and they understand about my RSD I never have an RSD episode with my boyfriend never I've never had an RSD episode with my boyfriend because before I can even think about having an RSD episode with him he's always there reassuring me that he's there for me and we're just gonna work things out together which I absolutely love he's the best person for me with my autism he understands me 1000% which I feel like most people don't understand me as well as he does so that's pretty cool so moving on I'm going to be talking about therapy so I'm just gonna give a little bit of a disclaimer growing up I used to I think everybody had their life together before therapy I used to think everyone just woke up they had no anxiety they knew what they're doing everyone found it easy with friends when I was like 10 years ago even less than that you could not tell me that someone who was confident had struggles I sort of knew it in the back of my mind but 
in reality, I was thinking, I'm the one with anxiety. I remember going to therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy. That was a big help with my RSD. I didn't know I had RSD back then. But looking back, it was a massive, massive help. And when I was in therapy, we talked about how theory of everyone's got their own struggles, everyone's got their own anxiety and we mask it on the outside. Everyone has a mask where they try to appear confident but they just want to be liked and that was when I came to the realisation that oh my goodness some people have got crippling anxiety but they just want to be liked, they want to be seen And we also talked about a theory called the match theory. When you first meet someone or even a friend or a family member, you've got to think, are they a right match for me rather than am I a right match for them? You can't go into a situation wanting to please the other person because it'll never work out. And although you could say that doesn't relate to RSD, I think for me, it really, really helped relating it to RSD because I would go into situations wanting the other person to like me and then I'd hyperanalyze what are they doing? How are they saying something? Does that mean they don't like me? And by taking a step back and not thinking about all that, all them things, it really helped me think, well, it doesn't really matter if they're doing something that is triggering me because I don't want to be their friend anyway. Or if they are, doing something that triggers me I can use other techniques to try and help me to think are they doing it on purpose are they not doing it on purpose just to discover it on them grounds and in a second I'll talk about some of the techniques which I found I'm not currently in counselling right now because there's a massive waiting list on the NHS and I don't think I want to go private because it's a lot of money I'd rather go in looking books and look for advice first but I'm I'm in the process of getting on the waiting list for the NHS. So whilst at university, I used a couple of techniques to help me with RSD. And even recently, I did some research to look for some more techniques because although I feel like I'm getting better at my RSD, there are times where there are times where I do struggle, like the other day when I misheard what somebody said and it really hurt me so a technique that I like to use well I'll talk about two techniques I might do some Instagram reels talking about some more techniques if you you can follow me on live through dyspraxia on Instagram I'd really appreciate it I talk a lot about advocacy on there so I might do some more techniques on there but one technique that I've used is the first one is not reacting straight away taking a step back going into a quiet zone, this is when you calm down a little bit. Well, go into a quiet zone first, remove yourself from the situation. And once you calm down, think about the situation. Was the reaction valid for the situation? So for example, if someone said, can you just open that door? Was shouting a valid reaction for somebody saying, opening the door? Or was it? Did they 
have actions to that went with it to to provoke that or when they said it did they have a smiley face were they acting fine with you after I think it really depends on the situation and when you calm yourself down and get yourself in a better mindset to evaluate the situation I feel like it really helps in the long run I wouldn't do this when you're in the height of an RSD episode or a meltdown because there's no way that your brain thinks rationally your brain is just in attack mode it's normal for your brain to be in attack mode because we have autism and we have RSD but there's no way we're going to be thinking logically in that state maybe another technique would be to write it down and think about a time like at 5 p.m I'm going to look at all my worries and I'm not going to think about it till 5 p.m and I'm going to evaluate it to see whether it was an accurate because sometimes it might be accurate sometimes the reaction is absolutely valid to the situation maybe someone was absolutely horrible to you and they deserved that reaction or maybe it was an overreaction but not decide until five o'clock now that's another example of something you can do now the third one I think I gave a bonus one I thought I was going to do two but I'm going to do three I've decided I'm going to do three so the third cognitive behavioral therapy tip that I've learned is naming your brain something different so putting it as a person so for example I've named my brain Jade it's my middle name but I like the name Jade and whenever I'm feeling upset anxious overwhelmed or just feeling rejected I'll say to myself Jade needs a little bit of time Jade needs a little bit of space Jade just wants to be alone and it really just disconnects my brain from myself because if it was someone else I would never be harsh on them I would never bash them I would never say anything horrible like I do to myself sometimes so it sort of helps me bring sympathy and empathy for myself and helping me realize that all my emotions are valid and maybe I just need a little bit of space like Jade's not overreacting Jade's just feeling her feelings and later on at five o'clock we'll get back to them so that is something that's really been helping me and I feel like my RSD has been getting better slowly I'm not sure whether this is something I can overcome or something that can get better I mean it can get better but you're always gonna have episodes but these are some techniques which I use and I really hope you like it I just want to add on that every single person with autism and ADHD is different. Not every single person does have RSD and even people who do have RSD, it's not going to be exactly the same. Some people may cope better, some people may cope worse, but I just wanted to add that on as neurodivergency is a spectrum and all of us have our own strengths and weaknesses in our own way and it's beautiful. So, I think this is going to be the end of the episode. I really hope you loved it and learned something new about rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And if you didn't learn something new, I hope it was a good refresher on what it is and the the different techniques on how you can help. So I'd love it if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast and give me a review. Type something that you loved in the review section. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook on Life Through Dyspraxia. On there, I post different videos on different advocacies i think i've done two videos already on rejection sensitivity dysphoria just talking about what it is and some more techniques so if you're interested hop over to there and i'll see you there so i'll see you in the next episode bye